You're listening to a special horror-themed episode of Classic Movies Live. That's right. It is well past October, but we're going to do our Halloween episode today, even though it already came out. So, like, not a Halloween episode instead. This is Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, It's a horror movie that, as of the recording of this, uh, just came out not quite two weeks ago. So, um... As of the time that you're hearing this, it's probably come out quite a bit ago. And so hopefully you've seen it because this is a, there are some spoilers in this. I don't remember. I don't think there's a spoiler warning. So, but I also don't think that we like spoil the ending or anything. So I don't know if you haven't seen this yet and you want to consider doing that before, sh- before watching this. Uh, but if you are new to this movie, you know, if you end this podcast deciding that you want to see it, you should still have most of the movie to look forward to without spoilers. Now, Possessor does not have a lot of music in it, but it does have some some like ambient scary tracks. So you're going to hear some scary music from Possessor. Here you go. back to classic movies live uh if you're listening to this it is no longer halloween but if you're recording this it is not yet halloween so welcome to an extra spooky episode of classic movies live where we're going to talk about a horror movie that just came out uh i'll expand on this but uh pierre you got some you got some you got some early words to start us off what do you what do you think are we are we doing spoilers no spoilers uh well i mean I guess if we want to start, if we want to literally just start with spoilers, we can do that. I haven't, I was going to summarize the movie first, but. Oh, I was, I was going to say Sean Bean's in this movie. <laughs> That's oh, well, I mean, I guess like no, technically no spoilers. We're not going to say anything about Sean Bean. Yeah. Yeah. But Sean Bean being in this movie may be a spoiler. Yeah, that's that's the point. So yeah, that, that's all I have to say from the start. Um, well, I'll, I'll, it's a Canadian movie too. I I think that's cool. I always like to to watch, see what's uh, been been made here. It's always cool to see. So yeah. so this movie is Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg, which I believe. So right now, this is like fairly new in theaters as we're recording this. Uh, and I believe it's been released to theaters as Possessor Uncut. Like, they don't even, they're just straight, they're just throwing the director's cut straight to theaters, which is, you know, normally that's an extra thing that comes out later when a movie does as well as Midsummer does. But this movie, they just went all out. They're like, here it is. You know what? We thought we saw the theatrical cut. We thought it was not fit for theaters. Here you go. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, Possessor. Possessor is the movie we're talking about. This is a movie about uh, a corporate assassin, I believe. Like, I don't think she's a hitman. I think she j- or a hit woman. I think she just like works for a company and kills people in the interest of the company. It's not incredibly clear because this is a movie more about 
process of killing the person than about why she does it. So this is a movie about a hit woman who, in order to kill her targets, uh, possesses their possesses either their bodies or the bodies of someone close to them, so that the uh, murder is essentially untraceable. Because what she'll do is she'll possess someone's body, kill the target, then kill the host because she has no more use for it. Um, that's essentially what she does. And when we are introduced to our main character, played by Andrea Riceboro, uh, her name is Tazia, just in case we need that. Uh, when we're introduced to Tazia, she has just finished another job. And like, she's clearly kind of on, uh, at the end of a rope mentally. Because, like, she goes to see her family, and in order to see her family, she has to get into character as herself. Like, she's having some, a little bit of a crisis of identity of, like, who is she? And, uh, you know, when she has to act as every single person, as, as, like, potentially any person in the world on a daily basis, you know, it, it sort of wrestles with the idea of um, identity and... I think this is really, I think actors would get a lot out of this movie because this is a movie essentially about acting. Anyway, uh, the main plot of the movie concerns a job that she has to kill a man uh, called, I, I believe the person she's supposed to kill is actually John Parse, played by Sean Bean. But in order to do that, she has to inhabit the body of, Christoph of Colin Tate, who's played by Christopher Abbott. And so she's supposed to inhabit that body and then kill basically everyone close to Colin Tate, including John Paris, which should, if I've understood the plot correctly, make her company's stock prices go up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and the um, that's that's the main point of this movie. When she executes the job, though, she is having trouble uh, staying in character. And that ends up being a, her downfall to some degree. And I think that's more or less where I have to stop uh, before we get into spoilers. Uh, Pierre, did I miss anything? Sounds, it sounds really good to me. It's a, it, it is a very interesting concept, I guess. Uh, very, especially for a low-budget movie. I, I believe I, I read it was made for about $3 million. And I guess the... I don't think the concept works great in, in the confines of the production, unfortunately, but like it's it's a I like the ambition of it, I guess. It it, it is very reminiscent of like uh, a Christopher Nolan movie, maybe like maybe older Christopher Nolan when he wasn't so nearly high concept as he is now. But it's a it's a cool start. And I, I don't know how new this director is, but yeah, this is far from his first movie. Okay. But he is still fairly new on the scene. Yeah. What was uh, kind of odd is that it felt, to me, it felt a lot like a student film in, in terms of just the way it, it was made. Like the cinematography felt kind of dull, probably on purpose, but like all the colors were kind of muted and like the, the camera wasn't doing many interesting things. And it was a very quiet movie. Like I I don't believe there was really any actual music. There was like some synths in there at I mean, times, but yeah, nothing like ryth rhythmic and upbeat. Um, and 
I'd say like okay, I I think the the place to start would be the acting. I think this is because there's not many movies I see where I don't know any of the cast, right? And this is right. a very low budget movie, and I I honestly I think the acting had a very big effect on how I perceived this movie. Unfortunately, because I don't believe I, I well, it was partly the acting and the writing, but the the main character was just so boring. I don't know. I I didn't feel anything when he was acting, and the only highlight I felt was when I saw I saw Sean Bean on on screen. He brought so much charisma, and you really feel that that professional acting like emanating from him. And he really steals like the <laughs> the two minutes of screen time he has. But I mean, I think that's kind of a sign of just how how odd of a choice it was to uh to have such a muted character, a main character, I guess. On the other hand, I think it would have been a mistake to cast uh someone with a natural charisma in the role of well, maybe not in the role of the guy you're talking about the main character you're saying is the guy played by christopher abbott i was thinking of andrea riceborough's character who if she is like her 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 role in the movie was to act as christopher abbott so i thought that like um christopher abbott's character colin tate i thought what was interesting about him is that he had to act as andrea riceborough acting as his character and also sometimes he had to just act as his character. So I thought it was uh I thought it was a really demanding role and I thought that he did fine in it. Like I I thought he did really well. Did he he might not have been the best choice. I think that is a really demanding role to do well and I guess if it didn't come across to you then like he wasn't the best person for the job, I suppose. I mean, I guess um, I I I just like I, I did, I, I do see what you're talking about. I think it's just more. I think it's really not a good idea to bring in a main character that is unrelatable to the audience, right? And I feel personally that I did not care for this guy because he was void of any personality, in my opinion, um, mm. in terms of writing. But then also the actor does not really bring anything to the role. Obviously, I think it's because like you know he's an amateur actor. Uh, not, I'm not trying to criticize his performance or anything, but it's very obvious he doesn't. He hasn't done this as much as someone like Sean Bean, right? So okay, for sure, he doesn't really elevate. He isn't able to elevate that writing in any way. Where uh, if you brought in a more recognizable actor to that, then I could more easily possibly relate to them. Maybe it even then it'd be kind of a hard sell. So maybe it's not so much a knock on the acting, but a bit on the writing too in that I didn't really feel much from the actors. And I think that's a big reason why to me, it felt the movie was pretty stilted and stale from time to time. Cause it, it lacked a, a very human element, which again, might've been on purpose. I think this is a style that has been explored before by, like, I want to, I haven't seen this before, but I want to say George Lucas was looking to achieve something relatively similar to this movie with THX uh, back in, what was that, 70, 71 or something? And that it's a, oh it's a, I, cause I heard, a, I haven't seen it, but I heard a lot of the same criticisms and that it's a, it's a high concept sci fi movie with an interesting world, but is brought down because it 
it's not that plot focused and it does and it doesn't have any any interesting or characters to really relate to but i think it's on like it's an artistic choice possibly because it's supposed to be a, a cold alien void world sort sort of like blade runner i guess that's mm -hmm. another movie where that happens a lot but i didn't like blade runner that much either in fact um so i think it's possible that it was written and the director might have even asked them to tone the character down to achieve that cold me cold mechanical feeling that they want to set for this movie but i don't i don't think it's a great strategy for filmmaking in my opinion so it might well, be my personal bias like the uh like as i was saying early on this is a movie about like who are you if you aren't really you because in this movie christopher abbott's character colin is for the entire movie he is fighting he has to fight with the fact that like his character is there but has to fight with the fact that Andrea Riceboro's character, Tazia, is just in his mind trying to control him. Yeah. So this is a movie about, like, um, sort of not knowing who you are. And kind of, in or it's that's a hard thing to, that's a hard thing to make a movie about anyway. But in order to achieve that, I definitely think you're right in that the director probably asked them to keep it toned down because, like, if you don't know who you are, what are you going to do? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a great concept. I think, I just think it it's... could have been played with in a more maybe interesting way. I don't, I could, I, I it, it sounds so lame, right? But I, I love how, like, for example, if you look at Memento, right? Which I, I hate to keep comparing this movie to others, but I, I think no, I, it's. I think it's a valid point to compare it to others because I think that by default, the idea that this movie is about is not a very cinematic idea, but other movies exist, which have made it, which have been very cinematic. And to lead into what you were saying, Memento is one of those movies. Now you can continue. Yeah. Sorry for taking up your okay. time. No, no, it's cool. Um, but yeah, so like Memento, I think is a very similar movie in that it's a psychological thriller it features a main character who spends a lot of like time mostly in, by themselves in their own head right and it's it's a very serious it's a it's a very serious subject matter in that like you know it's it's dark it deals with murder and like uh, a loss of like who you are and wondering like what you've become right the real you i guess mm -hmm. so but what's amazing about that movie is is nolan really brings a certain charm to it even if even despite how dark it is, there are still moments that you you can't help but laugh at. And in, in terms of like, it's there, there's there's a little charm in terms of the humor. The characters have some interesting ways of dealing with, uh, I guess, the main character's illness, which is or mental mental disability, which is the short term memory loss. Mm. And I I think it just has a lot more fun with that concept because. Uh, I don't know. I, it just it had a lot more personality. This movie was very. I didn't feel any of that that like any any anything coming out towards me. It was like I was watching like uh, a documentary or something. I don't. It. I just didn't. I didn't feel any connection to the characters or like any personality leaping out of the screen towards me. So, what you're saying because in Memento, like 
the character's short-term memory loss is communicated through the way that the movie is made. Like, the movie itself doesn't induce short-term memory loss, but it sort of simulates it because, like, you keep having to constantly remind yourself what just happened because the movie's out of order in such a way that it confuses you and makes you experience what the character is going through. Where with this movie, I think he's trying to do that in a different way, and the different way just doesn't work quite as well because when that internal mental struggle happens, like... You'll, the the movie's perspective will shift to things where you know you're seeing you're seeing things that in the context of the movie aren't really there, but at the same time are really happening. For example, like uh, there's a point where he's I think he's being calibrated or something, and so he sits on a bed, and for this whole scene, you see him, Christopher Abbott, interacting with the person who's in his mind, Tasia uh, Andrea Riceborough. And they're interacting and they like fight each other, but that fight isn't actually happening. And then it zooms out and he's killed his friend. And like, it makes you sort of question what's happened, but it doesn't make you question it in the same way because you know what's actually happened. And like, there's, there's very little question about what the actual events are. So it doesn't make you really experience the same thing he's experiencing it makes you sort of just miss sections, which um, feels different. Yeah, for sure. I get it's a tough, the whole aspect of the bi, the binary person, like the binary personalities, I guess. Uh, it's pretty tough to capture cinematically, I've, I've noticed. Um, but like, I like an odd, oddly enough, though, like, I think the Avengers did a great job with it with the Bruce Banner, the the whole the whole I mean it might have just been like because Mark Ruffalo is a great actor but you can feel that there's another layer to his character inside him at all times and that that's just much better storytelling in my opinion or and and I guess, physical acting I guess I didn't feel that yeah so um it it's uh it's kind of unfortunate though I I wish I wish the 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 movie like I like because I love the I did. I did like the idea. I I wish they could have maybe given the script to someone else that could have maybe had a lot more fun with it because it did. It, it also feel very stretched. Like I could see this being like more of a short film. Well, this is uh, Brandon Cronenberg wrote the script, um, so I don't think he would have given it to anyone else. Probably not. Yeah, <laughs> but. but. Uh... He is he is actually up until this is his only his second full length film. Mm-hmm. And like all things considered, I like this a lot more than, you know, other people's, I don't know, seventh movie. Like personally, I hate to say this, but I liked Possessor a lot more than the David Copperfield movie we watched because I just thought it had more character, even though the David Copperfield movie was good. It's just sort of that's a forgettable movie for me. Where this one at least has some stuff I'll remember. For sure, yeah. Know. There's it's a yeah. it's a pretty uh, visually striking in in certain aspects. There's a couple really cool scenes where, like that one scene where he like takes the the face off the 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 other person in his head. I can't remember. Yeah, her name, uh, her name is Tazia or the Tazia. An- or Andrea Riceborough. If you want to talk about the actress but yeah yeah, he takes her face off and like it looks grotesque because like 
the thing that he removes from her, the the face looks like it, it looks like a you know a bad plastic mask, but it, it looks like a really unsettling plastic mask. And like at no point do they try and hide that at all. It's just like, oh, this is the best that the makeup team could come up with. You know what? Yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So it, it actually I, made it better. Yeah, I think so. This movie actually reminded me a lot of David Lynch because, um, you know, the more I think about it, it actually does remind me a little bit more of the David Lynch movies I've seen because, uh, specifically, Mulholland Drive deals quite a bit with uh, unreliable characters. I don't know that the characters themselves are having crisis, crises of identity, but I sure as hell don't know what's going on with half of those characters half the time. Um, but more than that, it's this movie reminded me a lot of Eraserhead, just in how visually upsetting it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the visuals of this movie, and it, it, I'm sure that Brandon Cronenberg owes quite a lot to his father, David Cronenberg, the father of body horror, <laughs> uh, when it comes to this movie, because like there's some really gross looking stuff in this movie, all related to like. It's there's there's some just awful body horror. And I say awful, you know, because it's awful to look at, but it is actually very well executed. Yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of gore. I think it's a little cheap to to kind of draw out emotion from the audience. But I I will say that the I loved how, I guess, raw and brutal the the murder scenes were. And I it wasn't it just it felt very real, I guess. And that's what this movie needed. So. Yeah, but I would say to me, this felt less like gore because when I think of gore, I think of like the Saw movies. There's blood everywhere. You can see someone's brain getting sliced open, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that I think of when I think gore. This movie, it had the same kind of stuff, but the word gore never entered my head when I was thinking about this movie because like to me, this was the way that this movie approached um, upsetting imagery, I guess. And, and gore to some extent was less of like just raw violence and more of turning the people's bodies into visual effects, which is a weird way of saying things. But basically what I'm saying is like, I think that the gore in this movie was executed in a really creative and striking way that really helped this movie in particular it might not have helped every movie but it was right for this one that's cool can you like uh, give like a specific example of like using gore as a special or so, not gore, but like using the bodies as a special effect or something honestly the mask that we just talked about is the best example of that in this movie um oh, okay. beyond that the first scene where like christopher abbott's character colin tate uh catches on to the fact that there's another person in his head and like sees her for the first time. Mm-hmm. The way that that's portrayed is that they both are sharing a body and like, it's not, it doesn't look CGI. It probably is to some degree, but it looks like it just half of the body, half the face is Christopher Abbott's and half the other and half the face is Andrea Riceboro's. And like, they don't want to be together. So like, it's this, creature that doesn't want to exist that's trying to pull itself apart and it's made of these two different bodies if i'm remembering correctly i do i do believe that was a scene yes yes it was anyway that's the kind of thing i'm thinking of which like 
I think that this movie is really good at visual storytelling. I wouldn't necessarily say it's great at every aspect of storytelling, but visually, like that's where this director is like, re- is is just doing awesome. Brandon Cronenberg is great visually. Um, I didn't love the like in terms of like uh, the concepts of scenes. I'll I'll say yes. In terms of like the actual look of the movie, I just thought it looked really lame. And yeah, it's fair. It, it it was shot like I think I said it earlier, but it, it it definitely felt like it was shot like a student film and not yeah by like a professional. Um, the lighting like it might have been my um again it might have been my TV or something, but the lighting felt a little off and the camera movement just felt lame and uninteresting. So I will yeah. say that like the more interesting sequences of this movie are and the parts where I'm talking about the visual storytelling are like the conceptual stuff where it's in their minds that is like he's excelling there but other things like the first time we see um the first time we see colin tate in person christopher abbott's character he's sitting in a room and that room is like in a penthouse so it's a nice room but there's not really anything in it he's just sitting there it's not that interesting and like that scene on its own is fine because that's what that scene has to be is like the first time we see him, he needs to be calming down because he's actually Tazia and she is freaking the hell out. However, there's a lot of scenes like that that are just sort of, there's nothing happening. The room that they're in is not interesting. And like, there's it's not that great to look at. So it's like the high concept scenes are really cool. The actual in reality scenes, there's a few that are neat. And there's definitely a few, even outside of those, that are well executed. But there's just as many, if not more, that are like not super interesting. Yeah, I, I, again, I think it was it definitely was limited in a lot of ways by its its budget. It was going for that kind of, I think, futuristic but modern look. Yeah. Uh, that that you can see in like stuff like maybe Maniac, or uh, what's it like her maybe. Um, but I, the, the budget wasn't there. Like there's that one scene where he's like surveilling. I think what his job was to sur- just surveil people through their cameras, right? Something like that. His I think so. Job, yeah. Which like is kind of a cool concept, but it's also very, very on the nose and not oh, at all. I'm not a hundred percent sure. To me, it felt like there's a lot of interpretation that has to go into the into the uh, into the backstory of this movie. I think his job was like gathering info for targeted ads i'm not 100 percent sure of that but like i remember the the big scene of him surveilling people was there's these two people having like there's actually multiple people having sex uh in different scenes but in every one of these scenes he's looking at the curtains and so like i'm not 100 percent sure what the point of looking at the curtains was but i think either he's like creating uh 3d environment for virtual reality or something or he's doing targeted ad research i i I don't know what else it could be unless like brandon cronenberg just thought hey that would be a pretty funny scene to have and like let's just let the audience decide what he does which is also possible pretend yeah i i just think like it's kind of an odd in this futuristic because i'm pretty sure computers just do like do that job for corporations anyways so it felt yeah. a little odd to have dudes just come in to do that research. 
maybe he had to maybe the company had a human quota maybe who knows so and it was a little on the nose but yeah it was sequences like that like that's a cool idea i don't think that the building and like where he was at really made it feel futuristic though Mm -hmm. so it didn't really add anything to the to the world essentially Um, yeah it wasn't an open concept floor plan and like a bunch of tech bros walking around um and then and then things like i just i wish there was maybe a little more world building at the start just in general i i I felt kind of lost in 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 the scheme of like what kind of world is this is i guess that doesn't matter but well this was a movie that wasn't about the world but like i find that movies with the best world building never are anyway like if your movie is about building the world you've already failed but in order to tell a good movie in a weird world to us you kind of need to make do the world building anyway yeah like like, at least a little bit in like in terms of like maybe like it'd be cool if we had more side character development and stuff like there weren't really any side characters that had a an important, a really important role in this movie. I was just thinking of uh, the, you mentioned Maniac, and I think Maniac is a great example of as much world building as you need, because Maniac is like an, it's it's futuristic, but modern, like you said. Um, And there's not, the, the movie isn't about world building, it's about a very specific thing that happens in that world. But in order to make that world make sense, they have enough scenes outside of the medical trial that like you you get what's going on and it and everything makes sense within that world where this could have used you know this could have used a couple of scenes like that where you get that extra context yeah i guess that would have been nice but in the end either way I, I don't think it really fixes the main the main problem which is essentially i think the character development wasn't really there Hmm. There's lots of character tension and stuff between the the two mains, but either way, I just didn't feel I didn't relate to them. I didn't feel like I was growing with them in any way, and that's yeah, that's the biggest thing. And I there were no side characters that really got me interested, other than Sean Bean. I was really hoping he'd survive for a bit there, but I think maybe this movie's biggest flaw is we didn't see enough of Christopher Abbott as Colin Tate before um, Tazia took him over, which maybe is kind of the point of this movie, because at no point can we actually be sure whether it's him or whether it's Tazia acting as him, which, again, that's kind of the point. But part of the reason we can't be sure which is which is because we don't know the difference. Where if we'd seen, like, if this movie had started with a sequence of just him living his day and, like, I don't know, five minutes of just him being a dude, uh, that could have fixed that because then we could tell, like, you know, when he's acting just a little bit off or when he's acting really off or when he's acting perfectly. And I think it would have been, it would have gotten the point across the same way. Uh, potentially better and it would have made it seem because the way that when we're introduced to his character from the audience perspective he's essentially a blank slate which is fine except for the fact that the whole conflict of the movie 
is him, a developed person, uh, fighting against the mind of this other person who's trying to who's trying to take him over, who is also a fully developed person. So if we only know one of them, you know, we can kind of see when she's blatantly failing at being him. But that's about it. Well, yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. Isn't like without the establishment, it's it's just impossible to really care about what's happening to him. Um, I don't understand. Like, it, it would have been cool to understand his relationship with like his family and his wife more and stuff. I think that adds a lot more tension. Or maybe like it would have been cool if if like those two characters knew each other. Sure. Like like he inhabits she inhabits them and they have like a personal history or something, and that's what makes it interesting. Then we're given right. like a legitimate personal reason for these, uh, or I'll, we're we're given a little more for these characters to to fight about, I guess, in their mm. own head. Um, it just it's a very impersonal fight. She's Ilya or Ta- Talia, Tasia, Tasia, Tasia. She's already a very void character, which is kind of the point. Again, <laughs> there's a lot of that in this movie. Um, in that she's basically losing who she is as a person because she's doing these jobs, right? So, but then when you're when you're kind of when you have when you have that as well, and then like we don't care about her arc either because we don't like her family. Do I never? We don't really get many scenes where we are supposed to learn that um, how important her bond to her family is, right? Right. So, we get one where it's I guess pretty clear but like that's about it i mean yeah i guess it's just maybe if the climax didn't um rely on that connection so much for for the emotional impact of the entire movie then that would be more acceptable but it was a little iffy because they're kind of mentioned they're kind of brought up at the start and then they're just for the most part don't have anything to do in the movie until the very end Mm -hmm. so yeah i just overall Cool concept. I I understand what the character's doing. I I highly doubt anything I said that I disliked was a mistake on his part. I so like I get that. I just don't. This this isn't a movie made for general audiences at all. And oh, not at all. This is basically an indie movie. Yeah, it's very much an indie art film movie. I doubt this will really like it, this this kind of like I I could see like kind of art buffs being into it but um yeah other than that i i don't uh i don't love it because yeah it's not really it's really not my type of movie but i can appreciate it i guess for for what it is and what it tries to offer so i guess my only real question here is because this is a critically acclaimed movie that released in theaters this year do you think it has a shot at any oscars Ooh, this year I don't think so, personally. I I think that... I feel like... mm, Unless you're, like, already an esteemed director, I don't think the Academy really cares for movies like this because, again, like, it's, like, a lot of the basic storytelling elements aren't really there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which, again, is fair, but it's just not really, like, best picture material, for example, right? No, not at all. or, Or, like... Like maybe it, you could, I could potentially maybe see like, ah, uh, actually no, I can't think of any awards it would win, but because it's just it's too outside of the Hollywood spectrum, either way. Maybe 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 it'll win like some awards at like smaller like more art art based festivals with more ambitious and risky 
filmmaking but this isn't again this isn't a hollywood movie in any way shape or form which is cool say i don't think it really has a shot at many oscars i think it could i i think it's a dark horse pick for screenwriting i don't think it'll actually win i think it might i think it's possible to get a nomination for original screenplay uh, more than anything, I do see this being a real contender for it, like one of the visual awards, though. Visual effects. Are, are you saying that because it's like a 2020 year or like would you see that in like any year in general? I don't know that I'd ever necessarily see like I don't know that I see it actually winning, but I do think that it like does some cool things with visual effects that most other movies I see do not. Oh, so even if it wasn't 2020. I do think I would still see it as in the pool of things that I'd be considering. Oh, okay, cool. For yeah, visual effects. Yeah, I, I can I can appreciate that aspect of it, yeah. Cool. So um, overall, uh, we want to give I, this movie a score out of 10? Yeah, I think I'm going to give it like, oh man, I feel bad saying this, but like probably a three. Because I didn't, I didn't like it. Again, not my type of movie. Some cool concepts. I think it... I, I would have liked it, this the script to have been redone by a more uh, God a, a more competent uh, director and writer because it it kind of feels like is like this guy had a cool concept and he's like all right this sounds cool I'm gonna write out the script really quickly and then like add all these sequences that sound really cool in my head and make sure they're in that script and then we'll film it and just get it out there and that's all I really wanted to do well. It is okay that you rated it so low because I think at this point our listeners, you know, they they know us well enough. The people that like your, the, the you know, they'll know that there's some movies we both like, some movies only one of us likes, and anyone who listens to this podcast for to to hear my opinions specifically is going to want to go see this movie because I think it's a seven out of ten. Damn. Actually. I do want to say specifically, so that's, I, I, I was not meaning to throw shade at you, by the way. I don't no, know. Cool. <laughs> okay. But like, I think this is an interesting movie because like, you're right. This does seem very rough and it doesn't seem like it was put together by someone with a lot of experience in filmmaking. But to me, the way that this was rough and inexperienced reminds me, like, it makes me feel like potentially, I don't know. But I think we are seeing the first, like the very first movies of someone who will go on to become extremely well-respected, at least within the indie cinema world. Like Brandon Cronenberg, if you're listening to this, don't like ignore what I said. Do not get into your head that you are the best person in the world because (laughs) like then you won't ever become that person. But like to me, this feels like early David Lynch or early Christopher Nolan in a very different way. But I feel like we're seeing the first steps of someone who is going to become very, very cool. Potentially. That's the thing. It's hard to know at this point, because if the, if I'm, even if I'm right, this is 10 years before he makes his movie. Yeah. I'm just, cause I looked at his stuff. He's only made, he made one other movie seven years ago. Yeah. And that's, and he hasn't, and he made what one short film, I think, between that. That's crazy. I that, think he's made three short films in total. Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I don't really know if he has 
the ambition to like i guess like a lot of directors are pretty old when they first get like get their really big hits going yeah to be fair i, I which is like i'm surprised i'm surprised that's so common that like you directors are usually that old but uh i don't know maybe may, maybe he has a lot of potential in him who knows i see a lot of potential in possessor i do not see this as the movie that uses that potential to its fullest that is still coming and i hope For that sure, it comes yeah. but if it doesn't like it's hard to say if that movie does if, if a movie comes out that is like brandon cronenberg's magnum opus we have yet to see it and we probably won't see it for several years yet. For sure. If he ever decides... I could totally see him not making another movie, honestly. Possible, too, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That was... So, uh, for next week... Now, we actually haven't talked about this off-air yet. So, feel free to veto if you don't want to watch this movie. But Netflix has just informed me that this Friday, we are getting a new Aaron Sorkin movie. So, Pierre, my question to you is, would you like to watch The Trial of the Chicago 7? Yes, I love Aaron Sorkin. I'm so down. All right. Next week is going to be The Trial of the Chicago 7. And, uh, Pierre, what's the last word? Chicago.